Hello and welcome to Euphoria Season 6, Episode 4. I'm Dracos, as always, joined by Frost Growing. We're available on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. It's the podcast. You love it. We're here one more time. We've got Mac standing by today. He's going to be talking a ton about the Mad Lions, undisputed best team in the uh, LEC. I'm going to keep saying that until someone corrects me because I think it's funny. Mac corrected you like straight out of the <laughs> Mac corrected me. Yeah, we've already done the interview, by the way. Uh, spoiler. But uh, yeah, he corrected me right away. But I think it's funny because it just instantly triggers everyone. Um... But yeah, Mad Lions, obviously, currently number one in the standings, and uh, yeah, we're going to be talking to Mac about that, and let's just get into talking about the league generally, though, kicking off the day. Now, we could start with our favorite segment, that's <laughs> dumb. Do we save that right before the interview, or do you think we should do that now? I think you almost need to do it now, because it uh, yeah. it kind of, because the right. big takeaway is that Fnatic had another O2 week, Sure. and sure. I think that your portion of it. Yeah, do we, we? You can you can tag team in on this one, but okay. I'll go. Okay, so <clears throat> context. My that's <laughs> dumb for this week is calling to bench random fanatic players every time they do poorly, and I'll go now. All right, here's the deal, fanatic fans. I get it. You're pissed. Fanatics losing, but what you don't seem to understand, which is astounding to me, because you all throw your flair and your <laughs> Twitter banner icons, and you are so covered in fanatic everywhere you go, is that your team always wins in the end. And right now, you're those idiots shit-talking Rocky Balboa while he runs up and down the stairs before he takes his fight with Apollo Creed. You're that person who's, like, hating on Naruto while he's training up for the final fight. Like, you always get there in the end. And yet, every time without fail, you try to find a single point and a single player to blame. And it's not everyone. Some people are like, hey, systems aren't working. But... Fnatic has come out and literally said, Selfmade literally said, I'm not making jokes. We are performing like crap. We don't like it. We're working on it. They're clearly apologizing. So stop shitting on single players. Stop calling to bench Nemesis. Stop trying to pin the blame on some random. Oh, Hillisang had an int week? Let's bench Hillisang. <laughs> you. Hillisang's a goddamn good support. Stop calling to bench people based on a single week because you've got insecurity issues that you're projecting through Fnatic. And I specifically want to jump on to the point about benching Nemesis for Magi Felix and in particular. I'm not going to take down Magi Felix, but I am going to say that if you think that there's going to be a difference, if you sub out Nemesis for Magi Felix, that will be a positive direction for you, you're wrong. I just watched him play in the NLC last night. He was pulling out the Twisted Fate. It's not like you're going to get a different champion from the dude than what Nemesis is playing. And guess what? Uh, Nemesis has been playing with Selfmade for so long. You got the inbuilt synergy. If you mm. pull out players right now mm. in the middle of the split, you're not going to get better. You're just going to get worse. Also, just like, I get it. It's five accounts in Challenger. Magifelix, he's a god of solo queue. Good on Magifelix. Fnatic have more titles than that guy has Challenger yeah, accounts. I just stop. Stop telling me that your solo queue rating is everything. Wonder doesn't play solo queue barely anything these days. He plays WoW. It's a meme. You know what? Wonder's still at all times, at worst, a top three top laner in Europe. So you know what? Solo queue, once you're an established pro, I don't think is an indicator of much. Anyway, that's Fnatic. Should we have uh, a more disciplined discussion maybe about what fanatic that was the end of that <laughs> dumb thank you i love that um and once again if you feel like you're attached to fanatic fan or you feel like you're being unfairly lumped into this bunch stand up speak out support it. your team support your team you know what's gonna make Send fanatic nice messages play worse if they open up their social media and they just like are getting destroyed imagine having one of the biggest fan bases that supports you and then being afraid to check your social media any time you do anything wrong because you're going to get eviscerated. That has to suck. I'll actually speak on this. So, um, obviously, polarizing figure in esports have been for a while. Uh, it is. It's so mentally draining. Like, you have to put in so many different coping mechanisms. People are like, oh, yeah, just don't 
open up. Just don't read it, idiot. Just don't read. Just walk away, and it's <laughs> what's, like, what's the title of the creator? <laughs> <laughs> Cyberbullying. <laughs> just walk away from the screen. <laughs> Which it, I love. I think it's funny, but obviously is a it's, bit misguided. Uh, it's our brand. Like you have to be plugged in. And I'm just gonna like I'm not gonna speak for any of the fanatic players, um, but I will speak from my own personal experience and some of the other people that I've talked to. That shit it weighs on you. It slowly crushes and kills you. It actually does so much damage. Even if you limit your uh, intake of it as much as possible, it will find a way. Esports is so connected and people be like, in traditional sports, it just comes with the territory. I'm like, traditional sports are completely different from esports. You get in like a chat room with your favorite player. When was the last time you got into like, uh, I don't know, the DMs or the text messages of like whoever you saw on the basketball court? Steph Curry is not like on Instagram live doing his warm up, but listening to what you Muppets have to say. He's focusing on the game in front of him. And yet we've got players streaming on the day. Oh, yeah. It is a very different world, and it absolutely does impact um, players' mentality, and they have to build coping mechanisms. I'm not saying that it can't get better, that you can, like, alleviate this, but if you're a fan, think twice before you send that message. You're not making it easier. Yeah. And I respect it if you're really passionate, but if your passion shows as being toxic all the time on the internet, like, just check yourself. Like, what's your goal? Expressing your insecurities through your team's win or loss. (laughs) There you go. All right. Anyway, so, yeah, and this aside, guys, we're not trying to tell you the Fanatic's not struggling. As we said, Mad Lions are the best. We're going to talk a lot about Mad Lions with Mac later. But Fanatic, they're currently tied for seventh with Vitality. And it has been Struggle City. I mean, when you say it like that, like, there's okay, there's two ways you can say it. You could be like, Fanatic are tied for seventh. That sounds really bad. Or you could say, Fanatic's only losses are to the top four teams in the early portion of the split when they normally make finals anyway. You could say, it's a slow start. You could say that. I didn't say that, but I think that's a, that's actually a really good point. I actually, bad on me, didn't know. They've lost to G2, mm. Mad Lions, Origin, and Rogue. Now, you should say that, okay, G2, Mad Lions, you can probably expect. I think the Origin and the Rogue ones, people are a little bit more sour on. But otherwise, every time Fnatic get a hold of one of the weaker teams, they do beat them. Mm. And it's still only what we're going on to week four. It's a shorter week, so there is more pressure here. They've talked about it. I don't know. Like, I totally get it. Fnatic fans want to be on top at all points. Um, I think this is one of the few times that Fnatic haven't been in the top two in X yeah, numbers the, of weeks. By the time, yeah. Because usually, like, we, we talked about them starting slow. They started slow in spring, historically, or they come out the gate 4-0, no questions. Um, and in summer, I think they're usually pretty strong, and they're very rarely this far down three weeks in. It's usually a one or two week where we see sketchiness from Fnatic or where they sit. But also, the standings are ridiculously close. Like, uh, Fnatic being from seventh into third is a single win. All the teams above them, G2, 4-3. Misfits, 4-3. Origin, 4-3. SK, 4-3. Fnatic, 3-4. So, like, it's a single win, and suddenly you're back up there. And then it, then, then it doesn't feel so bad to be like, oh, we're in seventh. It's only when we're in seventh, a slow start. So I'm just putting in a little bit perspective. It could be 0-7. Oh, Shout out to Schalke. Good luck, boys. That's what we're going to say from now on. There's like, we can't really... Shout out to Schalke. Good luck, boys. Shout out to Schalke. Good luck, boys. Because there's nothing more to say because there's no new developments, right? Like, they're just going to keep publishing a statement every week about how we're working hard and it sucks. And that's like what you do when you're a team in that situation. And maybe they'll have a breakthrough and maybe they won't. Um, And until then, I'll just keep saying that every team who plays against them is under more pressure because they don't want to give up the first one to Schalke, which is my meme slash actually true point. Um, So that four-way tie... We'll see what Fnatic do in the week to come. But that four-way tie, Misfits, G2, OG, SK. Like, what? I'm actually the most surprised about Misfits because I feel like 
when I look back at so many of those games, I just felt like they were such a mess. But then when you check the standings, you're like, oh, shit, Misfits are actually doing pretty well, like overall. They're solid. So how are you How are you feeling about Misfits at this moment? Because I think this four-way tie is a little misleading because it makes it feel like all these teams are like kind of comparable. But like also just the variance performance we've seen from literally every one of these teams across each of our first three weeks is, is very, very high. So I always think about it like a bucket. I feel like... Um and I don't necessarily really care like how you bucket or if it's going to be like really broad. Let's just make a big broad bucket of like teams that I consider like great. I'm going to throw like the Mad Lions in there. I'm actually still going to put the G2s, the Fanatics, and the Origins in there. People will be like biased. I'm, I don't care. We'll see who's in finals. At me win. They always win. Yeah, it's just like wow. Using historical evidence, how biased of you? It's it, it it's because I assume that these players and these teams will have the necessary skills built from their previous experience to turn the ship around. Versus a team that has maybe less experience on its roster or less experience in kind of the long term of being a roster together to find the skills to take the next step whatever so you put them all into a bucket and then i feel like misfits aren't in that bucket and maybe that's mean and maybe misfits you know turn it around on me but i feel like the sk the vitality and the misfits they're kind of like our true middle of the pack team like we have a really stacked top end Mm. because g2 and Fnatic are not performing very well right now and mad lions and rogue have made significant developments and they've stepped up origin i actually think are fairly similar like their play style has changed where they're much more proactive but otherwise like I kind of feel like in terms of skill level, Origin are still like right there. So if G2 and Fnatic got worse, Mad Lions and Rogue got better, and then Origin stayed like exactly the same. Obviously, their playstyle changed. But in terms of skill level... <laughs> dancing around that one. I don't want to get the message from Martin. We're playing so much more aggressive now. I don't know why that was my impression of Martin. You know Upset has really insane stats. I was talking to Upset the other day. He's like, bro, you do not appreciate how insane my stats are. His stats like, are right. insane. <laughs> And Origin are still a good team. The thing is, is that anytime you're like, oh, Origin are a good team, they somehow take it as a slight. I'm not sure why. Anyway. Well, but, to be fair, we always go, Origin is a good team, but, but they're <laughs> slow as hell, which is never, is never like a good sign, right? Um, and then the true middle of the pack. So like our top end is actually just full of teams right now. Mm-hmm. And then the true middle of the pack for me is the Vitalities, the SKs, and the Misfits. And I feel like they have really clear pros and really clear uh, cons. And I made this joke that if you actually took vitality sk and misfits and combine them all like all of their pros into one you would get like a mad lions or you'd get like a rogue you know what i mean like by their powers combined they cover each other's weaknesses and like oh vitality's good in this but they're not as great in this but if you combine them with sk something like that so i feel like that's the true middle of the pack and then bottom is excel and shalka yeah and we'll see uh optimism about excel rising because there's a good point made about their their tough strength Strength of schedule. schedule i wonder who made that point and I get it. It matters which teams you play. Fine. Okay. Maybe the scoreline doesn't tell us everything that we need to know, but I like to keep it simple. Especially in a best of one. If we could just read off the standings, then you wouldn't need analysts to tell you who's actually the strongest team. Why do you think I'm spending so much time on the analyst desk, girl? Bam. Got him. 4 3, 4 3, 4 3. Third place. They're all tied. They're all the same. Boosh. <laughs> Top tier. They pay me for this shit. FYI. <laughs> um. <laughs> I would hope. I'm memeing. I hold myself to a higher standard. Please don't let that be anything that sticks to me. Um, and so does everyone else on the broadcast. It was a joke. But now I'm going to get lit up about it. You're going to get flamed. They're so going to be like, why is Dracos on this desk? He just reads the standings. I'm like, I've never done that. I made a joke one time. Dracos and I have this problem where uh, we're very sarcastic people, but sarcasm <laughs> is sometimes difficult to read on cast and desk. Difficult to read. And I also think it's it's a nuanced thing that it's like a very like American slash British yes, thing. Yes, that's true. 
and we have very American style sarcasm. <laughs> so now we do this thing where when we clearly say a joke, we've we trained... just tell people that it's, it's a, a joke because <laughs> we get worried that they don't know. We're actually just really sarcastic. We're never serious. Yeah. Um, final, I think like final thoughts for the week for me are what's really cool about this season is that we have a break week for those who don't know after week four and we end our season on a super week. So I'm... I actually think that the two biggest points in our league are going to be week five, which is the break, the week after that we the have break. the break, yeah. um, especially because if you don't know, we didn't actually hit this at the top. G2 is playing with Pinoy this week as Perks has been given some off time, taking away. Given certain circumstances, it makes a ton of sense. But obviously, I'd say hedge your bets on uh, G2 this week. Just, you know, whatever they do, it's going to be fine. It's kind of going to be a write-off week. And that week five is actually really important for G2 specifically. If you look at their matchups... Um, in week five, so after the break week, and mm-hmm. we assume Perks will be back, it's Mad Lions and it's Origin. Ooh, that's a spicy that's one, isn't it? a spicy it? week. Damn, there's actually a lot of insane ones. Week five is going to be hype. I'll be sad to not see you all for a week, but there's also this Misfits Fanatic. There's, ooh, there's so many bangers. That's the one that you grabbed? You grabbed Misfits Fanatic? I'm excited for Misfits Fanatic, dude. <laughs> oh I'm excited God. for Misfits OG, too. Maybe. Actually, I'm looking at everyone else's matchup, so I always kind of determine how tough a week will be, depending on kind of like if you have two back-to-back really tough opponents or if you can kind of like skimp um, prep on one team and over-index. G2 got it real bad. They face two really tough opponents and everyone else basically has a tough opponent and then kind of a wash i think origin actually has the second hardest schedule that week where they face g2 and they face misfits and even Mm. though i was you know said that misfits are clearly like a middle of the pack team um i think that misfits could be problematic perhaps for origin or maybe it's actually a great matchup now because origin just have to like wear them down and then eventually win a game so maybe it's not maybe origin can say that a really great matchup i didn't say slow i used different language you bore them to death they'll bore them to death <laughs> they'll start reading the encyclopedia from a to z and they will be so bored they'll take their hands off the pc and they'll Listen, die we're changing our language dracos origin are an endurance team they're an endurance team they're marathon it's runners a- <laughs> That's impressive. We should be. That's a that's a display of. It we're might be a get, different display of skill, but it's still a display of skill. We're gonna get an angry email. It's also just not true, guys. Like Origin plays slow. They play control when they have an advantage. It's not the wrong way to play. We just like to give them shit. They're an easy target. Sorry, OG. Um. All right. We're gonna get into our interview with Mac, but one caveat before we started. Um. Everyone who submitted Twitter questions, I want to say thank you. We really appreciate you. Now, all of our Twitter questions this week, ninety percent of them, let's say, were pretty much focused around Mac. And so rather than call out each of your questions individually, we've just implemented a lot of them into our interview with Mac. So thank you to everyone who submitted a question. If you hear your question on the interview, know that we appreciate you. If we missed your question, don't worry. Maybe we can get you next week. But um, thank you so much. And now we get the chance to talk to Mac from the Mad Lions. All right. Now for our next guest, I'm really excited for this one. Uh, We have none other than Mac of the Mad Lions joining us today. Um, so welcome, Mac, first off. of, I imagine it feels pretty good to be coming onto the podcast as the current undisputed rank one team in Europe. How How's everything in the house? Are the boys ecstatic? Does it feel just like, oh, it feels so good to see all this work pay off? Uh, I mean, let's not jump the gun, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's three weeks in. So. Did you just pump <laughs> the brakes on yeah. your Wait, train? no, I, I tried to set him up because I knew he would pump the brakes. Because I knew, because like, uh, yeah, I, I don't, th- yeah, anyway. But it feels good, I assume. Yeah. Yes, everyone's feeling great. Yeah, 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 it feels nice. I mean, it'd be pretty weird if I came in right now. Like, yep, we're obviously the best team in the world. We're macro geniuses and no one else is even close to our level. Yeah. Um, well. No, uh, so the, uh, I mean, 
it's it's obviously good, right? It's mm. it's nice, and I think we're playing pretty well right now. Um, but we already had a very frank conversation with the players, being like, "Okay, guys, we haven't achieved anything yet. Let's like stay firmly grounded in the present, because right now is when people are going to ask you loads of questions about like." Oh, do you think you're a top two team? Do you think you're a top one team? Do you think you're going to beat G2 in finals? Uh, do you think you're going to go to Worlds? How do you think you'll play against Chinese teams at Worlds? Like, all, of all right, and uh, goodbye to Mac. He's already <laughs> made it clear that he doesn't have an interest in answering any of my questions. Wow, we just list them off verbatim. It's like they've been fed to you ahead of time. No, okay, here's my thing, though. So uh, the sentiment, obviously, from like the fans, community, audience, is always uh, A, fanatic or awful we hate them pull them down uh b you take your chance at g2 when you got it g2 are on the ground so the fans like come out of the woodwork like kicking them while they're down and the mad lions are now you know oh mad lions are going to worlds mad lions are the best team in the lac Uh, like and then you're pumping the brakes on your own team why is it that every time we talk to pro players every time we talk to the teams everyone's always like yeah g2 are still the best team they're really scary yeah we still gotta try really hard like what is happening behind scenes that has made you guys so scared (laughs) oh it's nothing to do with g2 this is about focusing on us right like if you are a professional that's competing and you start looking into the future like well i'm obviously going to be at worlds then you're not looking at where you are right now and you're not looking at your mistakes and the areas that you need to grow in right so so it's just about um, it's discipline? just about making sure that you yeah it's just about being disciplined and making sure that you keep focusing on the next step right like uh i like to say that if you're like building a house you don't like like you, you've got to lay it brick by brick right like if you're climbing a mountain you've got to go step by step if you look up all, all the way at the peak then peak then you're likely to uh trip over on the way um uh, like just focus on the next step and if you do all of the steps correctly then eventually you'll get there right lay each brick perfectly and if you lay each brick perfectly at the end you'll end up with a pretty good looking house but like if you mess up each individual step because you're looking at the end product too much and looking too far into the future then you're going to fall flat on your face so to use your analogy then when we're looking at the mad lines because formerly splice now mad lines different ownership but the idea was is that the support system, you in particular, kind of carried from both teams. And Splice had this reputation of being a very consistent team. And then the Mad Lions come in, they make a huge splash. They're now on this meteoric rise. When you're laying down the bricks, what does that look like? Can you kind of walk me through the step-by-step process? Was this about uh, talent and scouting? How did you guys pick the players that you had? Did you just go directly to the ERLs? Did you already have a system in mind? Did you know the yeah. names that you wanted? I guess, what talk to us about the blueprint for your house. Because we can see the bricks being laid, but like talk to us about the initial planning and kind of the strategy and the goals and how, I guess, a lot of the vision came to be that got you kicked off in what now seems to be a very successful direction. Mm. we got some good looking bricks don't we um so <laughs> that shrub in the garden's real nice <laughs> good good shrub yeah. it's solid the one that looks like a like, monkey it seems to be working out real good it's just like a humanoid shaped tree out there um there's just a giant fountain <laughs> humanoid on oriana we're gonna milk this metaphor every time we talk to you or your players for the rest of the season so be feel free to Excellent. warn them after this you made your own meme yeah. now lie in it <laughs> The, the mad lion's house um okay so uh creating the roster i mean we had really frank decisions as a staff and basically what we decided was that like um we wanted to be not just some other team who was you know aiming for top three we wanted to make sure that we took risks and the aim of those risks was to make sure that we felt that we were investing in players who could be number one Um, Not necessarily that they were number one or they were guaranteed to be number one, but we wanted every single player on our roster to have the potential to be 
better than their counterpart on G2 or better than their counterpart on Fnatic. Um, so that's the initial angle that we took and everything stemmed from that point, right? So um, <clears throat> when it came to actually building the team, it was fairly, honestly, fairly simple. Um, Arome was already really insane in the Academy League and we'd worked with him a lot, both Peter and I one-to-one. Uh, so he was a really obvious choice. I mean, Arome's a little bit older than the rest of the players. So he's really stable, really emotionally mature, really consistent, super good teammate. Um, so that was super easy. And um, even inside the Academy League, he was obviously like a cut above the rest of the competition as far as we were concerned. So that was super easy choice, number one. Um, <clears throat> Mid-jungle was really, really, really important to us because obviously... I think there's a, a bigger conversation that, that we had, which is about finding our kind of correct team identity, right? Uh, and we felt that last year we had got Marek, that is humanoid. I'm going to call him Marek from now, so you know. Um, and seeing the way he performed coming into the league for the first time, going to Worlds for the first time, like this is an 18-year-old kid who came in and like I remember his first match was against... I think his first match was against Caps, or at least his very first match against Caps. Um, like this guy went on stage with legit no fear whatsoever. Like he just didn't care and went and played exactly the same as he would in a scrim and was super aggressive. And it was the exact same in playoffs. It was the exact same in Worlds when the guy plays like his first BO5 against Faker and was just stone cold, you know? Um, so we felt that this was a guy that we could really build around. And so the whole team identity was kind of based on players that, we thought would fit well, right? So if you look at Shadow, uh, I feel that Shadow is like the perfect jungler to pair with Marek. Like they're both absolute psychopaths and that's what we wanted for our team. We wanted to build a team of psychopaths, which I use it in a positive term. When I say that a player is a psychopath, that's a good thing for me. Those are the types of players that I want. Um, and I think that we ended up with five psychopaths on our roster, basically. So, so um, I really, I love all this information, but I'm just trying to think about like how to format it to make it like more digestible. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to name the player and then i just want you to give me like the three best bullet points about them and how they fit into like okay. your and also and also how you figured this out about the player because i think you're, you're talking about merrick and like i think a lot of the audience could probably see the no fear aspect of his play right like i think that he did he come i remember his first his first game was on atrox i believe and he like absolutely smacked people down and it obviously wasn't always like great games but he was clearly always going in but then like shadow is a name where we've only ever for most of us we've only ever seen him in the context of playing on your lineup so i think that we don't while you're telling us they have all these things like we didn't get to see the process of of how you figured out that this is a guy that's going to fit in on your team there's also very different personalities and what i've experienced you know doing shoots with a uh, humanoid versus doing shoots with shadow and you know it's also finding this you talked about like the leadership skills in arome so like here's what i want from you i'm going to list out the player name and i want you to be like personality trait that you like and then how you found them and then what they bring to the team or kind of like what their anchor point is the team does that make Damn. sense we're getting real structured mm -hmm. frost sure. making a youtube video right I now. just because this is the stuff that like fans will really gravitate towards so he has like a massive Spoiler alert, you have a massive branding opportunity right now for your players. We're trying, no pressure. We're, we're, put, we're milking you for all your worth. <laughs> okay, Arome. Uh, so Arome is consistent, emotionally stable, mature, great teammate, and really, really flexible. Like, he plays everything. Shadow. Shadow is super aggressive, understands lanes really well because he's an off-roll player. Um... Did you wait? Did you want to know how we found them? Sure. Yeah, I mean, well, if you want to share us how you found, we know a lot about um, how you found Shadow because we talked to Peter 
the start what? summer oh spring because there's a spring season before this so i was like did we talk to him in 2019 no you didn't have him. it was spring jesus all right we talk, we know a lot about the shadow but i think we don't know as much about arome we don't know as much about um i mean what i've heard about arome is he was just smacking kids in the erls he was like clear defined the best top winner and he played more of a carry position and then for him to come in and play weak side primarily for mad lines and now only gets to showcase his wukong and his hecarim and stuff like that mm. So yeah. yeah, Romeo was like a Fiora gangplank that type of thing player. He was really insane on those champions, and he was just way better than everyone else in the league. Um, so uh, Shadow, yeah, Shadow's biggest strength is that he's really, really creative, um, and that shows itself in things like his lease in gameplay, where he finds these angles that like no one else can find, um, and that's why he works really well with humanoid. Okay, humanoid. Um. Oof, how to describe Marek. Stone cold killer. <laughs> That's all I need to say for Marek. Like, Fair. This guy has just like a bottomless pit of in-game confidence. Um, he's really calculated uh, and he has some of the best instincts for League of Legends I've ever seen. In terms of um, this, is a, a smaller tangent, because there was a lot of big mid laners coming in when Humanoid came in. I think uh, some of the big names were Nemesis and Humanoid both came in together. Larson came in at the same, essentially the same time. And Abadage was also coming in. So there was like a wealth of mid laners for you guys to pick from. What about Humanoid? Did you just like get into a call with him, watch his gameplay, and like, <clears throat> this is a stone cold killer? I need this guy. Was he the only one out of that pool that you thought could contest with G2? Mm, so there's a bigger conversation around how you scout players there, right? Um, I'm very much a big believer in in kind of an eyeball test. And I feel like like you can watch a player and look at like, oh, was this a mistake? Was this good? Was this a mistake? Et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of people just look at mistakes, which is not really the right way to do it. Whereas when you look at a player, what I look for is I try to gauge their personality from the way they play, right? Like, what does this person value? Is this person super aggressive? Are they creative? Are they these types of things? Um, and so at that period of time, there were loads of mid laners to choose from, and we could have gone for any of them. Um, and we actually went for humanoid above all of the rest of them, right? Like it was the time when the OG mad lions roster that had won European masters was, uh, like disbanding and all their players were going into LEC rosters. Um, I had, we had scrimmed mad lions a lot that, that year with nemesis on them. And I had been position coaching for Niski. So I had been looking at their matchups a lot. And I felt that Nemesis was a really smart player, um, but that he didn't have the same ceiling as Humanoid, essentially. Like when I looked at a bunch of uh, like his replays, I would look at it and be like, I had just spent a whole year watching this guy, right? And I could see immediately like this guy's mechanical ceiling is like a 10, whereas someone like Niski or Nemesis or people like this would maybe maybe be like an eight mechanical ceiling. This guy's, uh, Marix is literally a 10, like this guy, has the mechanics to compete with people like Caps for sure. Um, so that was kind of the biggest thing. Um, and the other thing that we saw, and this is something that we saw in Shadow, something we saw in Kaiser, something we saw in Humanoid, um, was, and even Kazi as well, that like when I watched them play, I felt like they had no fear at all. Um, and that was really uniform across all of our players that I felt like they played the game instinctively really well, really aggressively and fast paced and were willing to take risks to do what was necessary. Damn. This is super interesting. I guess let's let's I want to finish out this this section that you've kind of built for us, Froskern, which is the going through player by player. Because immediately I've got so many follow-up questions. I know, but I think right? let's like let's finish this section before we before we on to go go on to more. So t- tell us about both halves of your bot lane and kind of 
give us the give us the three buzzwords let's keep it simple for the people to hold on to you know and, and then also as kind of like a follow-up when we had Carzi on he talks that Carzi and kaiser are like the stars of the team or like the rock of the team do you also feel that way because you you guys have so much so many power players to play around now that you know it, it doesn't always have to be the Carzi and kaiser show it can be the humanoid and shadow show it can be the Arome show I think our, our bot lane are the, definitely the most uh, creative when it comes to uh, draft and things like that. And that gives us a big strength because it allows us to do weird things like leave Varus open and our bot lane has four different answers to Varus, you know? Um, so those guys are really like, they bring a huge thing to the team in, in that regard, which is that they just aren't afraid of like playing into a lot of different matchups. And that gives us a lot of flexibility. They're really innovative. They're super good together. Um, and Kazi talks more than any other human being I've ever met. So <laughs> that doesn't surprise. Apart from me. maybe Tearwolf. <laughs> also good. Tearwolf's always been a good personality, man. Um, oh God, where to where to go here? So I think there's. The, I have so much. Do you want? You want to? You, you go. You yeah. Go, well, you, you go. can sort yourself out over there. <laughs> the words that I keep hearing when you're going down your roster are creativity, instinct, and fearlessness. I mean, it kind of feels like you have your leadership qualities or kind of like your stabilizing qualities. I used to call it moral support. Like you always have to have a cheerleader in the team. So that way, when things start going sideways, you got someone to kind of like reset the barometer. And that sounds like it's a Rome. Uh, and in the short time that I spent with Shadow, I'm assuming he's also probably a pretty good reset. He seems like a really like happy guy. Your face is so good right now. <laughs> You're like, nah, no, he's a tilter. No, he's, no, no, no. I don't, I don't mean a tilter in that regard. I mean, so like in, in a team, you need a balance of people saying, go in, go in, go in. And people being like, okay, guys, maybe we should reset now. Oh, right? I call that like, the, you, you need that balance. The dog walker. If you think about all of your players as like <laughs> tiny little dogs, there's got to be one player that they're all anchored to. Uh, yeah, so Arome is definitely the zookeeper of our team. That's for sure. Um <laughs> And, uh, his... <laughs> they are lions. Walking them would be highly. In... It's great because he's yeah. been playing. Rome is the Tiger King. <gasps> That's horrible branding because obviously yeah. everyone in that show is a terrible person. But we'll also stick. I'm calling Rome the Tiger King or the Lion King. Tiger we'll King? workshop Lion this. King? We're gonna workshop this. We got great work. branding for your team. Okay. Well, this is what this show is about. Max, Excellent. like, what have I done? Just, just call him Mufasa, no? Yeah. <gasps> it gets. You're giving us too much ammo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. So. Um, I, I, so yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So yeah, Orome is definitely that that like really big stabilizing voice. Um, and more recently, Kazi is actually the the second one. Um, Kazi and Kaiser are both like really really consistent in their in their play style. Obviously, they're both super aggressive, but actually, they're both really consistent players as well. And Kazi is uh really really smart, like smarter than he will let on, and smarter than he thinks he is. Um, <laughs> uh. Like he, he comes across with this kind of clowny personality, right? Which he definitely has. Um, but underneath it, he's also extremely calculated and really, really, really good instinctively as well. Um, so he's actually been a big part of why we've improved so much because he talks so much in game. Um, and he's usually the one al along with Orme being like, this is it, this is it, this is it. Back off, back off, reset, 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 play for tempo. <laughs> so this kind of comes into my, my next question because it felt like... A, moving from a splice roster that you were previously working with to now moving with the Mad Lions. These have very different energies about them, but it felt like when I initially saw the Mad Lions that I could almost see like the blueprint or the fingerprints of you guys on the team in terms of kind of structuring the team. And now it seems to have taken off and completely evolved into this different way. And you keep using this word instinct. So not that 
I doubt that there isn't heavy instinct involved in there. Um, but can you kind of walk me through like coaching staff on when you get all of these zoo animals and you need to point them in a, in a direction and kind of uh, teach them or guide them on how they want to play the game and learning how to communicate with each other. Did you guys have to go back to like, is there a philosophy that you Mac and your coaching staff have on, okay, at first we're going this direction and this is the basics of how we play. And then it evolves from there. Or you, were you able to like grab the creativity and the instinct of these young players and sculpt like a development program for them in terms of play style, in terms of communication, in terms of whatever it is, Mad Lions philosophy is on how they play the game uh i mean we definitely have a system and that's a system that's been in development for multiple years now um every coach has their own system right uh mine is something that actually duke and i developed together when we were on splice watching teams together and thinking like okay what concepts are they applying and what can we abstract from that um so initially i think one of the reasons why we came together fairly quickly was that we uh have really like i like a system where there are really simple and very few rules that are like hard 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 rules that you must obey can you give us some like examples rules, right sure so if someone makes a makes a call and says we are doing this and number one you should call that way like don't say i think we can do this we could maybe do this say we are doing this come with me um if someone makes that type of call either you follow it or you say no we're doing this right but if you don't say anything that means you're following the damn call um <laughs> so Really simple rules like this, which just keep people on the same page. Um, so yeah, I, I have a, I like a system with very few rules like that because I think that with the players we have and in general, players players need to be able to feel the game when they're inside the game, right? And if you bog them down with too many concepts and rules and things like that, then it becomes really um, inflexible. And players need space to be able to innovate inside the game and to be able to do creative things, to be able to yeah, just feel and read the flow of the game so that they can make the best decision with limited information. Um, so that, that's kind of the underpinning of the system is that we have a few like really core fundamental rules of like, this is how this works. Think about this concept and like, think about how you can apply it in these situations. Um, and then outside of that, the rest is, um, just making sure that people are on the same page. Uh, I forgot where I was going with that actually. No, it's okay. Uh, if you have, so if you're teaching the Mad Lions, like a new, um, macro player or whatever it is that you you guys are working like week to week is it is it development like that where you're like let's learn how to do i don't know for example like a lane swap or whatever or is it hey we watched our vods we seem to be struggling with this we're going to focus on this like and if you are teaching them kind of set macro plays or set fundamentals of the game that um you believe in how do you how do you go about teaching the team that are you guys doing that in like vod reviews do you like pull out a map and you've got like a marker and peter's over there like trying to line like <laughs> Um, I mean, you can do it a bunch of different ways and usually it's best to do a mix because people learn differently. Right. So, I mean, I have a bunch of presentations. I have a bunch of VODs that show the same thing. We review our own games. Like it's just a big mix, but essentially the game boils down to a few fundamental concepts. Right. Um, for me, those are tempo, pressure, and team fighting. Those are the three concepts that I talk mostly about with players and everything else is like a, a facet of one of those things. Right. So like, uh, Teleport advantage is obviously a really important thing to work on in League of Legends, right? Um, but the way that we frame that is that teleport advantage can be used to give you pressure when you don't have it, when you shouldn't have it on one side of the map to make up for a tempo loss or like give you free tempo because it allows you to move faster on the map or to create faster, uh, better team fight angles, right? So those are like your, that's the way that we funnel and frame all of these things into our system. Um, so it's as simple as, as we can possibly make it given the complexity of League of Legends. Uh, and I think that helps. 
Um, when it comes to teaching fundamentals, I think, I mean, something that we did a lot last split. I mean, if you go back and look at the way that we played last split versus the way we play this split, it's completely different because our gameplay has a lot more sophistication now. Um, but what made us good initially and made us able to just go kind of one, one every week in the, in the spring split and have really consistent performances, even against some good teams, apart from dropping two games to Excel, um, we, we basically just drilled one style of play and, uh, we did pretty much the same thing every single game. Like you can go back and look at our games in the spring and we had one style of play and we just hard committed to it and we were really specialized. Uh, and that's a way to make your, to make things gel together really quickly because there's no variation. Everyone just knows what they have to do and you just go and do it rather than having to think about, is it best to open the map up like this or is it best to open maps in this type of setup, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's one of the things that allowed us to gel together as a team quickly. And now we're branching out because we felt like in spring playoffs, we got punished for only having like one style of play, right? It was really easy to pick that apart. If you're a team that can adapt quickly, like G2 or Fnatic and those teams, because they're more varied and adaptable than us, uh, well, they were, I don't think they are necessarily anymore because uh, it's something we've worked on a lot, but because they were, they were able to shift their style to completely counter us and we couldn't play the game, which is what happened against in our series against Fnatic. Do you think that you guys, um, because you rely on tempo, pressure, and team fight, and these are kind of like the, the core fundamentals that... So like I compare you guys to like a rogue or an origin, and it's interesting because I'm getting this vibe from you that, you know, you create fairly simple rules and then the beauty is in watching your players bend or how they are creative in between those rules to like find their own opportunities and find their own plays whereas like origin rogue almost feel like overcoached to a sense that they're very formula they have very strict like this is what you do this is how you set up and they don't necessarily rely on kind of that same creativity or those same opportunities do you think that that makes mad lions like will that limit your guys's play style or do you think like the origin the rogues are limiting their own play style or like the depth of their play style because they feel too rigid comparatively to like the g2s the fanatics the mad lions these more i think fans would say explosive teams but i would say more keen to find more opportunities more flexible that, more adaptable is it's, maybe the language. it's about not taking like the 90 percent opportunities mm. it's about having the to me the belief that you can take the 50 50s mm. I don't think that's what characterizes teams like G2 and Mad Lions actually is just taking 50-50s. I think that's a bit of an oversimplification. I think it's more that basically, I mean, the, the thing that sets apart like the really top teams from the like kind of top four, top six teams is that if you give a top six team uh, like one wave window where you have one play where you're faster on the map and like even though you're weaker technically on the map, you're faster because you have tempo and you can then go and make that play, they will take it for sure. And a team like maybe Origin, for example, a like a slower team wouldn't necessarily take that play because they don't see the opportunity. Whether or not that's a coaching thing or whether or not that's a player weakness or whether that's both, I have no idea because I don't know what the inside of those teams look like, right? Mm. Um, but I would say that that's the big difference is that like League of Legends works with like swings of tempo, right? Like it's it's your turn to play and then it's the enemy team's turn to play. It's your turn to play, enemy team takes play. Enemy team takes dragon, you get a counter play. Um, and the best teams are the ones that use that counterplay the most aggressively. And that's kind of all there is to it. That's super cool to hear that so succinctly. Um, on, the, on the subject of like creativity specifically, um, obviously you guys have like built up a big reputation as like DraftKings, yada, yada, yada. Um, but one of the things that I found so interesting about the way that you described your team is, is in the creativity of the players. Um, because as long as I have known pro players, and maybe you've experienced in this past, they're often a very hyperbolic bunch. And it's often something is broken 
this lane is unplayable. We have to ban this champion. It is hopeless. Like, do you have you had the similar experience? Is does this feel weird to you to be on a team where there's so many players that are like, we don't need to ban Lethality Varus. We'll counter it instead of being like, this shit is broken. Please nerf it, Riot. I never want to see it again. I mean, uh, my players will still tell me that something is giga broken or legit unplayable or whatever it is, right? Like that, that those things still exist. They're like <laughs> we're still very hyperbolic in in those terms. It's simply that we have a different read on what counters things to other people. Um, I think something that's helped us a lot, and we decided to do after after spring playoffs, we decided like, okay, let's be as flexible and as creative and as varied as we can, and let's spend loads of time talking about the meta. You know, uh, like for example, Kaiser gave an interview where he said. Uh, there are two things that counter virus and they are like heavy engage and heavy sustain. And that's what Sander Wilcom gives you, right? Um, and having those types of conversations with the players about big picture, how does this champion interact with this champion? How does like this champion fare? What does this champion need in a team composition? What types of things like counter that champion? You know, do they want to disengage? Do they want to engage? Do they want to split push? Like, do they need to sustain, et cetera, et cetera? What can you pair with this champion? Those types of conversations are the conversations that we're having a lot recently and just making sure that we spend lots of time together watching other teams play League of Legends and thinking about, okay, this team obviously thinks that this champion is good here because of this. Do we agree? If not, why? And those are really useful conversations to help build up our players' understanding of how to put together a good team composition in League of Legends, right? So everyone's really involved in the process. So this has been a lot about like, the color of the bricks that you guys are laying for your house and how you selected the brick and picked out all the materials. Now I kind of want to know like what you're going to do with your house once it's built. Like what is the the future of Mad Lines? You guys have been very much like, you know, we're focusing week by week. It's about discipline. You know, we need to make the growth now. Um, but if you had to give projections, I mean, every team will be like, we're going to win because I feel like every team has to believe that. Otherwise, like, why are you guys running towards anything? But can you maybe give us a more tempered answer than just we're going to win and what you hope to accomplish. Like, what is the best iteration of Mad Lions look like? What does it do? Why does it work? I mean, like being realistic, I think our players are insanely talented and I think all of them can be can achieve that potential that we laid out before of being top one in the region and being better than their opponent on G2. Every single one of them has that potential inside them. Um, in terms of long term what i want for our team there's only one thing that i really care about and this is our whole team culture is set around this idea which is that i want my players and i want us as a staff as well and this is something that i try to lead by example on is i want us to be committed to making sure that every single day we get better and i want every single player to leave mad lions or to end their time on mad lions uh hopefully in like 10 years time um <laughs> being the absolute best version of themselves you know and i want all of our players to leave mad lions being a better person than they were when they came and that's not just about league of legends right that's about being a better communicator it's about being better at understanding what yourself what you need how you deal with stress um how you need support from your teammates like how you learn all of these things which are crucial to being just a high functioning high performing person I want our players to understand those concepts and to have like thought about them and put time into self-reflection on how they can be the best version of themselves, right? Uh, and if we can achieve that, then we can achieve anything. Sounds like you guys have such a wholesome internal culture. And I think the fans can feel that because it feels like anytime we do get one of the Mad Lions on screen, they're just like instantly lovable. 
And did you guys like, I don't know what other word to use, drink us laughs, but like, did you guys uh, do really heavy personality testing? I know you talked about how you do like the eyeball test to say like, this guy has the skill, but when you did get them individually in, like how much did you guys push to find a cohesive like culture for the team? Or is that even something that the Mad Lions care about? Um, I think the kind of, out of game personalities people have different out of game personalities versus in game personalities right like someone can be absolutely crazy in game like but be really kind of mellow in person actually for example kaiser is one of these people right kaiser is like so when i did the eyeball test on kaiser what i saw was this guy reminds me of hillisang like the way that he plays the mid game the way that he plays around vision he looks like hillisang to me um and that was the reason the main reason why we took him over another over other supports, right? Like I couldn't predict that Kaiser was going to be like a literal 10 out of 10 on mechanics and be able to play solo lanes better than most side laning, like solo laners in the league. Like I couldn't predict that, right? Um, to, to say that I would, would be a lie. But what I could see is that he's going to fit in terms of the gameplay personality that he has um, with the rest of our players. And that's the most important thing. If players can get on inside the game like that and can really identify with each other, then the out of game stuff is easy enough, right? Like um that's my job is to make them fit into our team culture and to make them understand why it's important and to get buy-in for that team culture so that they all are committed on working together towards a common goal um yes we do personality testing we do like pretty extensive personality testing um and that's part of the way that helps us develop really fast relation like really strong relationships really quickly with our players and make sure that we understand them and make sure that we understand what it is that they want and then how i can get them to buy into what we're doing right um, but that's not necessarily how we select them. We select them mostly based on gameplay plus like a initial interview, just getting to know them and seeing what type of person they are. Obviously they need to be able to actually hold a conversation to play on the team because that's important. You need to say more than you need to be non monosyllabic and all of our players are big talkers. So that's great. Um, but that's not a major concern I would say. Well, I, I, for one, am frankly happy. And we'll be very sad when inevitably someone watches this interview, misunderstands, attributes all of the success to one person on your coaching staff, and then proceeds to poach individuals to different teams, not take the culture into account, and wonder why it doesn't work as well. So, TLDR, I'm really happy with this experiment. I'm, I'm happy because I think that this is such a good representation of a team building from the ground up in a way that has been successful. And obviously, it's easy to be excited about it when it's successful, but it feels like it's the right idea it's the right way to execute. And so seeing it pay off in a way that isn't just let's buy big star names and hope to God that they carry our team, right, uh, is is really cool to see. It's really cool to see, and it's cool to see it work out. Um, Mac, is like a final question to close this out as we are running out of time here. Talk to me about just the next brick. Just the next step, like not next week opponents, but like what is the immediate focus from Mad Lions week to week right now? I think Frost hit on it a little bit earlier, but like just baseline improvement. What are you focusing on? to take you to that level where you can 10 out of 10 match every G2 player or pass past every G2 play player? Mm, that's quite a hard question. Something that um, something that Jake likes to say, Jake, our performance manager, is he our performance manager? Yeah, that's his role. Um, the well, man with the large beard is, who gives massages in the, in the, in the shots, yes. if, you're not, if you're not clear who he yeah. is. The massage Viking. The yes. massage Viking, um, yes. <laughs> So um, he has a bit of a, a saying, I suppose, which I really like, which is, are we willing to do the things that other teams aren't, right? 
Um, and that's, that comes down to everything. It comes down to how you look after yourself, how you look after how well you sleep, how you physically exercise, how you communicate, all these things that will help you be a better person and a, like a better version of yourself. Those are like the, the fundamentals of what makes our team work together. Right. And you can always do better at that. Like it's not possible for you to finish your self-development as a person. Um, so I think we are currently playing pretty well. I think other teams will catch up for sure. Like. It's, it would be really naive to assume that G2 and Fnatic are going to not be strong by the end of the split. Um, but by that point, I want us to have been focused enough on ourselves and on our own self-development and our own improvement that we are like rock solid as a team and that we, that we gel together in the most fluid way possible. And the way that you do that is by making sure that everyone is uh, on the same page in terms of being committed to a common goal, right? And that common goal can be anything. It can be winning um, or it can be being the best version of yourself. But I prefer the second one. Damn. All right, Mac, on that, I'm going to let you go. I would give you I would give you an, a round of applause if we were in person. But over the over the microphone, it probably just sounds hella awkward. But that was that was awesome, man. And I <laughs> that's uh, super inspirational. And damn, I want to play for the Mad Lions. Like, I don't even care what my role is. I could be the Mad Lions janitor and they'd be like, you're going to do better every day. And I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm the best at scrubbing that toilet, boy. Don't tell me otherwise. I'm getting better. Like, that's, it's just a really aspirational community to be a part of. And obviously, like, you're presenting it in the, in, in I feel a very authentic light and I hope it just continues to, continues to work moving forward. So thank you again, Mac. This has been wonderful. Um, best of luck to you in your week. Was it Misfits and SK this week? Uh, no, Misfits and Schalke. Misfits Schalke. Good luck. It's gonna it's gonna be real tough this week. I think. Um, I talked to Upset last week. The pressure be about the pressure of not being the team to give Schalke their first win. You will experience that pressure this week. So so good luck, man. That is a thing. <laughs> that is a thing. All right, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're gonna let you go. Good luck in scrims, and uh, looking forward to seeing your games this week, man. It's cool to hear about a system, and it's also just really easy to be excited about a system when it's clearly working. You know, Mad Lions number one in the team. What what was like? What was like the main thing that stood out to you, Frosca? So I really wanted to talk to Mac, and this is more so for people listening to. I really wanted to talk to Mac for episode one. I know you and I had this like big discussion mm-hmm. about it, and um, I've always been a fan of the Splice now Mad Lions coaching staff. Um, and I always felt that anytime I got like any observation of them, I was always super impressed. And right now I feel like a ton of teams, and it's kind of the same questions that we were asking, you know, Martin last week for origin and behind the scenes. I'm super obsessed with how teams structurally are working to make their teams better, because I feel like that's kind of the next step that we as an industry, not just um, esports, but also like League of Legends need to take. And for the amount of money that's still pumped into this scene at a ridiculous level, so many teams still don't do that. So many teams are still really reliant on having like, I don't know, like a mastermind and then buying out a bunch of different like high profile players that they're all kind of participating in a conversation, but they say that they really have a forward direction. But if you kind of poke at it, it, it isn't really a forward direction. It's more so like buying names and buying like individual philosophies mm. rather than building a philosophy that you then put like the correct pieces into. And that's why I'm super happy that we got Martin and Mac kind of back to back because I feel like these are orgs that are at least doing it uh, a bit better than other orgs. And I don't know, like 
I just always get super excited on the back end of these interviews because I'm like, yes, this is exactly what Europe needs, what League of Legends needs, and what esports needs to reach that next level. And you can, like, the proof is in the pudding. Like, Mad Lions took brand new players. And yeah, there was so much potential there. But, you know, that's making sure that you can scout development. With all this conversation about what the hell is happening over in North America, I personally fundamentally believe that it's a complete lack of being able to scout talent and then being unable to develop talent. And everyone, like, it's easy to be like, oh, you know, start the academy players. And I think that the Immortals situation is, is a bit different because they basically started a bunch of LCS players. But people are like, oh, yeah, the Immortals academy team went into the LCS and they were fine. That proved that, you know, academy players could do it. I'm like, well, yeah, half that team was former LCS players. So I think it's a bit of a different mm-hmm. goalpost. But the, the statement does stand that there seems to be such a, a missing gap of that eye test that Mac was talking about, of being able to look at a player and have someone that you're confident enough who's also in a position of power, who is also a nice person that can like build a really great system uh, and a good like culture to say, this is the guy that we want because of X, Y, and Z. Now we need to find like the right personalities and the other guys to pair around him. And I, if I had to say you know, what is causing the LCS to stall out in terms of their talent management and why Europe continues to thrive. It's because we have guys like Mac in our scene. He's been responsible or at least had a hand in so many different talents that have come through the door. And now we're all also over in the LCS. Well, and also it's important to note that like this is the product of years of work. He talked about building the system with Duke and it's only now that we're really seeing the fruits of that labor, right? It's only now that he's really figured out, one, what he wants to, to get from his team. And he's able to have this big, fresh start um, in 2020. Uh, yeah, 2020. Oh, my God. The, I miss spring versus summer. is just so crazy. It just feels like an actual different year because of all the quarantine shit. Um, yeah. And it's it's incredible to see. And it's, and it's so aspirational. I think part of the reason I'm so passionate about it is because, like, this is just what a good team looks like in anything. Like, if you work at an office, and a company, anywhere, that's just what a good, like, really healthy team looks like. It doesn't have to be a healthy sports team or esports, like, casters, you know, indulgently dumping on this one. This is, like, we're trying to get better, too, right? And we don't definitely, I don't think, have the same amount of pressure. But that, like, idea that, like, this is, like, a North Star for us as a casting yeah. team to hit, like, that level that they've hit where everyone is on board, where everyone is invested, where we're all working towards a mutual goal. So, it's just... I'm really passionate about it. It always gets me really fired up and I'm and I'm so happy to see it pay off and I'm so happy to see Splice and now Mad Lions continue to invest in these guys who did not break. They were always consistent, but they weren't like breaking records. And there are so many orgs who would have been like, okay, something has to change. We didn't get first or second. Like we got to get rid of coaching staff. We got to get rid of players. We got to get rid of X or Y. So many people who are... Uh, don't let's say trust the process and to be fair for good reason because trusting the process has historically never worked in league of legends it was trust the big teams and no one else but so it feels like teams like invictus gaming and then teams like g2 kind of recreated the wheel and i always have this question i can't wait till we actually get um like a g2 staff member on because i really want to ask this like i personally feel like g2 almost lucked into the supernatural synergy that they have the fact that it feels like it's a bunch of friends you know versus like going through like a personality test like obviously you're in a situation where if you have martin said this on our previous episode that if you have like big names or players that like they you have connections you basically make a spider web of you know if you have x player then the other players want to play with x player because he has that reputation so you can kind of naturally come about it um but i kind of see it the same thing in the Mad Lions. And I, I always wonder how much conscious thought goes into it if you have origin, like giving out personality tests like Meyer Briggs, everyone to make sure that they fit in. Like, did G2 
know that that was going to cause so much success because while esports and League of Legends are kind of taking the next step to standardize the systems and the professional nature of it, because like a sports team, not everyone has to be friends. There's mm-hmm. the, you know, old school rivalries. If you just watch The Last Dance, you can see all of the rivalries that are on that uh, Chicago Bulls team. The same thing with Kobe and Shaq. That one's really historic, but you can still create greatness even if the players aren't friends. And esports, it feels like we're not there yet. And so it's like we're still in this uh, pubescent teenage year of trying to turn that corner. And one of the limitations is our players are really young and they're often leaving home for the very first time. Well, they're and not, they don't grow up in the system, right? When you play basketball, you play basketball your entire life. You play under a coach, you play on a team and yeah, you're not, it's not always going to be great experiences, but you're going to have experiences in different systems and you're going to have opinions where you go from, again, ERLs are doing a great job and shout out to all the regional leagues for prepping players yep. and making it so much easier to bring talent in. And the talent we're now acquiring is so much more prepared to work in, you know, uh, uh, let's say a professional esports ecosystem. But yeah, we're pulling kids 15, 16, 17 from parents' bedrooms. And League of Legends, God bless, solo queue is not the most social place and probably also just not a good place to learn social skills if we've learned anything. <laughs> but it's also then the amount of time that you do it for. You know, you can only practice basketball for so many hours before you physically get exhausted. Whereas if you're plugged into League of Legends, you could practice, you know, 15 hours a day and still try to like crank it out. I just think that that personality element that friendship element that is that's like that secret sauce that is the special formula it makes so much sense if you look at a talent like kabe who goes over to north america he feels super isolated because he's in a brand new culture and covid uh hits and he can no longer go outside and make actual like relationships or friends or like feed his personal life and then his professional life he's not friends with any of his teammates so he's super isolated and alone and then you have a talent who everyone knows Kabe is super talented not get to shine and the people wonder what happened and I'm like okay it's fairly clear it sounds so simple but if you have friends on the team if you enjoy playing with the people that you're playing with then you're going to want to play more and that's going to lead to creativity discovery uh grinding your own skill sets and so I'm just like we just need more teams that are friends and I hate saying that because I fundamentally almost disagree with it that eventually you should just be able to like go to a facility do the job we're not there yet and that's why g2 and mad lions are so successful it's also it's just theory versus practice like we can say that on paper but in reality it is just so much harder like if we didn't get along holy shit like this podcast would be infinitely harder our casts would be infinitely harder exactly but like think about that like the lec our team even if we're not because not all of us are like super good friends we do have a lot of friends within our team but i feel like fans talk about all the time i feel like you can tell that we enjoy what we do because we enjoy what we're doing with the people that we're doing it with yep um man i had a last point i forgot what it was completely yeah regardless it's 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 cool to see this working it's exciting to see what it'll do. I want to, in the, in the future, kind of explore what Mac was looking at when he said, like, these cl- players clearly want to play the game the same way. Because he talked about having personality conflicts yep. outside, or different personalities outside a game, not conflicts. But, like, them all clearly having similar gameplay philosophies from his eye test. And I think that's really interesting. Because that's the thing, like, you can clearly see on a team like G2 that they all agree philosophically. But, like, even a team... Uh, there's like a lot of teams in our league where clearly players have different ideas and are playing the game in different ways. Misfits are a good example of this, right? Where you've got the Razork going in on a play where Feverman clearly isn't, right? And these guys clearly have a different approach and clearly have a different opinion on what should be happening in specific situations. And I think that's um, that's interesting. I feel like we've talked about the best friends forever, but we haven't necessarily dived as deep as we can on the what does it mean to have like an aligned vision on what playing League of Legends should look like. And it's quoted all the time. I think the TSM drama, uh, 
just as like an explicit example, Dardock, I think in an interview, talks specifically about, you know, we have different ways that we wanted to play the game. I think Kobe, uh, Kabe uh, echoed the same sentiments. And yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's only just uh, speculation that we can like assume teams like Misfits, teams like Fanatics seem to have different philosophies about how they play. But until it's like actually confirmed, it's impossible to say. Mm. But my guess is, is that we do have a lot of teams where one player is like, no, we need to play the game this way. And that can really just throw a wrench in everything. Yeah, especially if you're training for this way, if you don't fundamentally believe it, if you're not bought in, getting that buy-in is so important and so difficult, especially the more veteran voices you have, the more experienced players have. It's hard to change who you are, the way you play and, and what you believe when it comes to league of legends any last notes for us Karen, before we close out today uh no i've just my i really lo- i always love talking to mac um every opportunity that i get i always walk away being like yes i am a fan of mac i'm a fan of the mad lions yeah shout out to mac shout out to the mad lions players they're doing very well right now um they're killing in interviews too they're an exciting bunch um follow them on twitter on social media a lot of them they got those baby followings. They're just starting out, but I think they deserve a lot more attention, a lot more praise. So if you like what you're seeing, if you like the Senna Wukongs, if you like the Hecarim Tops, if you like the Ivern Jungle, you're a bad person for liking Ivern Jungle. But as long as you're a bad person, you might as well be a bad person who follows Shadow. So hit up those guys. Uh, super great to see them doing so well. This has been Euphoria Season 6, Episode 4. Week 4 of the LSE starts with Ready Check at 1730 followed by XL versus Vitality. And our match of the week on Saturday, it's Mad Lion versus Misfits, the absolute banger. Kabe versus his former, or his new team's form renamed, I now do. rebranded, but it was kind of his former team. Like, we're gonna get there. We're gonna find out. We're gonna tie that. Oh, <sighs> don't worry, I've got the narrative for that one. Sick. It's ready. So, yeah, tune in, watch, enjoy. Thanks everyone for uh, joining us on this episode of Euphoria.